This morning's scripture comes from Luke 8, 26 through 39. Then they arrived at the region of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. As he stepped out on shore, a man from the city who had demons met him. For a long time he had not worn any clothes, and he did not live in a house but in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him, shouting, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For Jesus had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For many times it had seized him. He was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles, but he would break the bonds and be driven by the demon into the wilds. Jesus then asked him, What is your name? He said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. They begged him not to order them back to go back into the abyss. Now there on the hillside, a large herd of swine was feeding, and the demons begged Jesus to let them enter these. So he gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd stampeded down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When the swine herd saw what had happened, they ran off and told it in the city and in the country. Then people came out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, uh, gone sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And they became frightened. Those who had seen it told them how the one who had been possessed by demons had been healed. Then the whole throng of people and the surrounding region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them, for they were seized with great fear. So he got into the boat and returned. The man, the man from whom the demons had gone out begged that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. So he went away, proclaiming throughout the city how much Jesus had done for him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. Well, I do have a question for you today, and it's one of those that I would like to have a response from. Yeah, I'm getting into the call and response a little early in the sermon today. Uh, but, but I do want to hear your thoughts on this. And the question is probably very easy to answer. Where have you seen chaos lately? Aside from just a few moments ago right here. Where have you seen chaos lately? Emergency the emergency room. I can only imagine. My house. My house. <laughs> I think... Uh, Many, especially with children, can relate to that. I'm tutoring two boys right now, and so I just met yes. them one day, so they're learning quickly. I want Yes. So to be tutoring children, yes. Oh my goodness. Where else have you seen chaos lately? Have you turned on the news? <laughs> no, staying away from that. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of it going around in our world. Um, I, I mean, like even just in the past couple of days, I've heard about more people getting COVID again than I've heard like in the entire past two years. I'm like, 
What is happening? Uh, in, in just the past couple of weeks, we've been seeing record high temperatures in our area. Oh my gosh. Uh, in, in the past couple of months, we've been seeing global conflict. The past couple of years, we've been seeing domestic conflict, school shootings, the chaos that comes with uh, white supremacy and nationalism. We've been seeing a lot of chaos in our world lately. Uh, now, here's the thing. Chaos, as unfortunate as it is, is kind of the natural order of our world. Everything in our world kind of leans toward chaos. And if, if you uh, need a little bit of evidence for that, it is actually chaos itself is written into the laws of our physical world in what's known as thermodynamics. Anybody here ever study thermodynamics? I feel like I've asked this before. Charles always says, yeah, here we go, Trey. Uh, so yes, thermodynamics is uh, simply the science of describing how energy in a system changes. That's what it is. Energy in a system changes. That's the natural order of things. Now, the second law of thermodynamics, I know I'm boring you already, but bear with me for a moment. The second law of thermodynamics uh, is simplified into the statement of Entropy. Entropy. This is, a, this is a word that means that energy in a system naturally leans toward a state of disorder, madness, or chaos. Randomness, uncertainty, unpredictability. That energy in a system naturally leans toward chaos. This is the second law of thermodynamics. And it's very evident in pretty much anything uh, you can see in our world. The, the thing that's happened most recently to me that's incredibly frustrating is I have a big bag of ratchet straps. And if you know what a ratchet strap is, you know it's, it's a you know, flat piece of uh, strap that has uh, hooks on the end. And in a large bag of ratchet straps, no matter how neatly I put those ratchet straps in there, whenever I go to pull one out, it's going to try to pull this whole nest of ratchet straps out. It's just the chaos of it all. You can't avoid it. There, I don't know why it happens. Murphy's Law is somewhere in there. It's just chaos, okay? Uh, we have a tendency toward chaos in our world. And we've seen a lot of chaos in our world lately because it's the natural order of our world. However, let me offer you a word of encouragement here before it gets too depressing. It is not the exclusive order of our world. Just because it's how things naturally tend to go, it doesn't mean it's the only way that things can go. Because we have a God who specializes in order, harmony, and stillness. Genesis 1, God looks out over the void of chaos and speaks existence into it. Left to our own devices, sure, we welcome chaos. However, when we allow Christ to intervene, we find stillness. And so I want to unpack a couple of times lately that I've seen this navigation from madness and chaos toward stillness and harmony. The first is uh, annual conference this past week. Um, I don't know uh, how much you keep up with the United Methodist News. I wouldn't expect you to do like a whole bunch of it because it gets really boring really fast. 
Um, but in the United Methodist Church right now, there's this great debate that's going on preparing for a schism in the United Methodist Church, uh, in which a group of churches are trying to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church and to either join other Wesleyan denominations or start their own denomination or just become a community church. And this has been happening for a while now, uh, but this year we finally hit the crux of people just kind of getting fed up with stuff and wanting to disaffiliate. And so at annual conference, this was you know kind of the hot button issue of, uh, of the entire time we were there. And most specifically, people were trying to make this easier and trying to make this uh, more financially encouraging for them, uh, those who are wishing to disaffiliate from the United Methodist Church. Now, you know, I'll just be blunt about all of this. The, the conversation of disaffiliation is most largely uh, organized around the, uh, the ordination and marriage of LGBTQ individuals. Uh, not the inclusion of LGBTQ individuals. The Book of Discipline of the United Methodist Church includes all people. Uh, but the ordination and uh, marriage of, of these individuals and this group that is trying to disaffiliate is trying to uh, develop a new denomination that seeks to ensure that never happens. A more exclusive denomination, if you will. And over the course of annual conference, people would stand up and make speeches on their side of things, and you could tell Bishop Graves was just fed up with it. Uh, not, not fed up with the, uh, with the debate so much, well, yes, the debate, but more so fed up with the uh, ridiculous nature to which, uh, ridiculous lengths to which people will go to prove their point. And towards the end of annual conference, Reverend Dr. Wesley Wacob, who has been at First Pensacola UMC, uh, a fantastic uh, scholar, uh, used to be at Ashland Place uh, United Methodist Church not uh, a couple of years back. Uh, he stood up there, uh, retired as he is, but he would have done this even if he wasn't retired. He stood up there and said, I've heard some stupid speeches this annual conference. And he was absolutely right. I believe Jess could attest to this as she's nodding her head. Because what we see is that the love of Christ, and, and I, I might one day pay for this statement, but it is a hill I'm willing to die on. The love of Christ is not, is not exemplified in a church of exclusivity. If there is a church that seeks to exclude people, the love of Christ is not in that church. It's more of a country club. And so at the very end of annual conference, Bishop Graves gave his annual Episcopal address, just the bishop's sermon, essentially. And his whole point, and I was so enthused by this point that he made uh, that I actually put it on a, uh, on a coffee mug and sent it to him because I'm, it's, just, it's exactly what we needed to hear. His whole point was, chill out and do your work. Because the entire annual conference was filled with these debates about who's right and who's wrong and why things should be this way and why things should be that way. And then, lo and behold, I come here this morning and... Uh, 
and Charles is lead. I hope you don't mind me speaking for you, Charles. But Charles is leading uh, uh, Sunday school this morning, and he asks, "Why are people no longer coming to church like they once did? You know, five years ago, ten years ago, decades ago. Why are people no longer coming to church in the same way?" And I said, "Well, it's because we've stopped doing our work. We've stopped being the church, and we've gotten too caught up into in this uh, in these political dichotomies." and this insular nature, and we've stopped being the church, and we've start, just started coming to church. And that's why the church is dying. And so Bishop Graves gave us this encouragement to chill out, stop the chaos, stop the madness, chill out, and do your work. My goodness, if we don't need to hear this more and more frequently with everything going on in our world. Another account of this move from madness to stillness here. Today is June 19th, better known as the federal holiday of Juneteenth. And Juneteenth is the uh, holiday that remembers June 19th of 1865. Uh, this day was the day that slavery was declared illegal, obsolete, ridiculous as kind of the last uh, push and end of the Civil War. You see, what we finally realized, and are still realizing, is that the laziness of white people took advantage of people of color to build this country. And the love of Christ is not exemplified in a nation that oppresses its people for its own merit. I hope I'm stepping on some toes this morning. So June 19th, 1865, guided by the compassion of Christ, the end of the Civil War was marked by a declaration in Galveston, Texas that states, in accordance with a proclamation from the executive of the United States, all slaves are free. This involves, this is a quote, this involves an absolute equality of personal rights and rights of property between former masters and slaves. An effort for peace to end this warring madness. And, you know, we're getting a little bit too close to 150 years after this. We're still, still fighting it. One more. I promise to be less political with this one. Today's Father's Day, and so I would be remiss if I didn't mention my dad. Uh, growing up, we, our family went through lots of different forms of chaos, not the least of which were my own fault. Uh, yes, as a child, uh, I, I've heard stories about how I learned how to use a screwdriver far too early in life and would go about disassembling things in our house to the point that my dad would go to open the door and the whole door would just go with him. <laughs> but, uh, but not just simply because of that, but also because at the age of three, I had to have open heart surgery, my first, my second one at the age of 12. And I don't know if you know this, but heart surgery is not cheap. And so my family had financial difficulties on top of financial difficulties that were already there. And there were many other things that came up in life over and over and over again. And it could have been a very chaotic childhood. But what I saw in my dad, who I have to attribute so much of the person I am today to his upbringing and the way that he invested in my life and the life of my sister, 
because of his efforts, we had, for, as far as I could tell at least, a pretty normal childhood. Despite all of the chaos, despite the financial difficulties, the times in and out of the hospital, despite the moves, the things that were going on in personal lives and trying to find our place in the world, he worked diligently to bring peace to our family and continues to do so with great compassion. And so what I see is that the love of Christ is exemplified when we are willing to go out of our way for others. I'm very grateful for his work in doing this for us. From madness to stillness. And you might notice something in the middle of all of that. It takes some effort to get there. Our scripture lesson today is a tough one. It's a weird one. And there's so much chaos going on that it's hard to really focus on the main thing. Because Jesus has left Galilee. Jesus is in this region of the Gerasenes, and there is this man who is possessed with so many demons, they can't even count them, and he's doing like really weird things in his life, and it's super strange and awkward and uncomfortable. And we might tend to latch on to this story about the demons. And we might tend to latch on to the fact that why on earth did they have to go into these pigs What's going on with the pigs? Why are the pigs in this story? And we might latch on to the response of the people who were so petrified by Jesus' work that they begged him to leave. But this story here is about identity. The identity of a man in chaos. So we'll turn our attention to this man who is only known right now as Legion. He's naked. He's homeless. He's living among dead people in the tombs. He's under constant guard so that he doesn't damage anybody else. Perhaps with some mental health disorders. I think there's something with that in there. And they are opposite of Galilee. That word is meant to say Everything that's happening in this scene is opposite the way that it is in Galilee, a place where the Jewish people are. They're in a place with Gentiles. And perhaps most pronounced is this man is nameless. When Jesus asked, what is your name? The response is legion, for there are many demons inside him. The man doesn't even have a name. He has, in essence, been stripped of his very identity. And chaos has a way of doing this to us, stealing our identity. Have you noticed how, in the past two years, people have become exceptionally rude to one another? We had rude people before, but in the past two years, people are like really rude to one another. It's like, it's, it's kind of wild. I'm, I'm terrified for uh, what Black Friday shopping is going to look like this year. It'd be even worse. St sticking to Amazon, I think. And it's, it's because we've gone through this collective trauma, and trauma changes people. Chaos changes people. The chaos of annual conference this past week led to deeper divisions and heartbreak among the United Methodist Church. And it wasn't just our annual conference. Our annual conference actually got off pretty easy compared to others. 
like the Florida Annual Conference, where 16 people were denied commissioning and ordination because two of the people there identified in the LGBTQ community. The chaos of slavery led to the Civil War, which, by the way, has to be, I'm going to use this word one more time in church, the stupidest war that ever has been. When has it ever been cool to fight amongst ourselves because we're, because we're willing to die to ensure that our lives are made easier by other people who get nothing out of it? And this chaos of slavery led to the Civil War and to an enduring racism that continues to leave our country in brokenness. A loss of identity. And the chaos that can come with childhood in difficult circumstances can lead to profound challenges later in life. As a licensed counselor, I do talk to people, and more often than not, their childhood comes up as one of the most significant reasons why they're having difficulty later in life. Chaotic, traumatic childhood often does that. Chaos deprives us of our identity. And Christ restores our identity. Time after time, God speaks into chaos, disorder, madness, to bring about order and harmony and stillness. And the place where this is most profound and needed is in our very lives. To go back for a moment to the word entropy in thermodynamics, which describes a state of disorder with energy in a system, it does have an opposite, negentropy which somebody just literally stuck together the words negative entropy. Very creative. Negentropy is the opposite of this chaos. And negentropy involves working, working for equilibrium, balance, and harmony. Whereas the world's natural order is toward chaos, if we can put forth the effort, we might be able to bring about harmony. This is what God has been doing for us, time and time again, year after year, century after century, millennia after millennia, God has been working to bring about peace and harmony and stillness. And as often as we try to run from God, God pursues us. And as often as we mess up, God brings beauty from ashes. And as often as we invite chaos, God has been speaking peace. And this has always been our, been to guide our identity in Christ. When we see the activity of Christ in our lives, we, things, we see things move from madness to stillness. At annual conference, there was this move from absolute chaos for three days straight until the bishop gave his Episcopal address and said, chill out and do your work. This move from madness to stillness. On Juneteenth, we recognize that move from madness as people continued to keep slaves to stillness, where we proclaim freedom and equality. As we acknowledge our childhood father figures on this day, we acknowledge the ways in which they have impacted our world to lead us from madness to stillness. And we see the love of Christ entwined and entangled in each movement of this. And so my challenge for us today is to invite the stillness of Christ. We began with this question, 
Where have you seen chaos lately? Now, I want us to end with another question. How can you, you, not somebody else, you, how can you invite the stillness of Christ into that chaos? Christ is calling us to an identity of peace, harmony, order, and stillness. We simply need to respond. This Tuesday, we're going to be getting into a very interesting conversation in Bible study on Elijah as he is in the mountains waiting to hear from God. And there's an earthquake, and there's a fire, and there's a great rushing wind. And in all of this chaos, the voice of God is not present. Then comes the whisper in the wind, the still, small voice, and God is in the stillness. Maybe we need to take a page from Psalms and remember to be still and know that the Lord is God. Let us pray.